The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. John E. Sestina and Company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. I need help getting out of my student loan debt. I'm so worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my parents? When's a good time to get into the market? I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I can retire. It's time to talk about your money, managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you create better financial habits, envision your long-term goals, and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of John E. Sistina and Company are on deck to show you the way. Thank you for joining Managing to be Wealthy. I'm your host, Tracy Bennett. Joining me today are certified financial planners, Stephen Lucan and Spencer Hager. Uh, how are you doing today, guys? I'm we're, doing great. We're, we're back. You're back in Columbus. Yeah. It's nice to see you. Glad you're here. Good to you're going to be picking up your heels soon going back. <laughs> yeah. Jet setter. <laughs> yeah, that jet setting lifestyle. Yeah. Love it. Little nomad. That was applicable to last week's show. We yeah. should have had you on board. <laughs> How you doing, Spencer? No complaints. Everything's good. Yeah. You've got your new office set up. Yeah. Feels good. Not new... as nice as the studio, but it's good. Oh, we'll get you there. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, today we've got a really interesting topic on deck. Uh, we are going to be talking about single stock risks. Um, and here's kind of the scenario I'd like to set you up a little bit, even though uh, the podcast name is Single Stock Risks. Uh, what we're talking more about here is an emphasis on the importance of diversification, not necessarily a discussion about individual stocks. Um, and just, you know, so nobody slips up, we're going to have a little jar in the office in the back. So every time you name a stock, you have to put a dollar in the jar for a pizza party. So nice. gear up. Uh, so I might be putting a lot in. I have, so I have some really good examples of single stock risk. <laughs> yeah, refrain, refrain. So to kind of explain to our followers, followers from the compliance end, um, we're not here to present that a stock is good or bad. Um, and that's not the point here today. So we're not analyzing stocks necessarily. But the real point is that ultimately, you don't want to have a lot of money in one stock in your portfolio. So a few examples we can talk about would be um, maybe someone who inherits stock. Uh, or somebody who works for a company and gains access to a lot of company stock, maybe an ESOP, and maybe we kind of go through those uh, one by one and explain to our our followers what that looks like. So, uh, Stephen, I'll start with you. What are the scenarios where someone would have too many single stocks in their portfolio or their retirement plan? Yeah, everything you set up was was spot on. It's about the situation on what happens, what is sing- what what creates a single stock risk, and you named it stock options, stock accumulation. Maybe you purchased a stock or inherited a stock, and it's grown significantly. Um, so you tried to, in your financial plan, you tried to avoid being over concentrated in any one position, just no different than having all your money in your house and no no savings. And the same thing applies to your portfolio. You don't want all your money in, in one individual stock. So how does that, I mean, I, I my experience outside of um, the the office here is with an ESOP. So Spencer, how would, what would, what would this look like in an ESOP? Because the first thing I think of is, oh my gosh, you know, I, I work for a company 
uh, maybe it's you know employee owned and all my stock is in my company. Yeah, I mean, I don't really think it matters if it's an ESOP or if it's you know stock options. So ESOPs usually more if you're. And what? Let's just backtrack. What's an ESOP for those that aren't? I don't familiar? know. I was going to make you say it since you've it's been doing the term around. Employee stock ownership yeah, program. There you go. That sounds so nice. <laughs> yeah. So that's usually for like privately. Don't condescend to me, Spencer. I'm just talking to the everyman here. But um, <laughs> so you know, so ESOPs usually more for privately owned companies still. So they're still giving you some stock in the business. You have a buy-in, but. Uh, usually it's pretty restrictive, A, when you can sell it. It's not like you can just go dump privately held stock. They usually have specified times, varies by the employer. I think any scenario, though, it's just it's emotional. So like switch it from the ESOP, like they're giving you ownership in the company. That's a big deal. Um, usually people feel loyal and they want to hold on to the stock. You could say the same for publicly held companies. Super emotional. And usually where I see it is you're getting a bunch of restricted stock units. It just means they're giving you stock in the company. Okay. Or it's a stock option. Doesn't matter. It usually happens where when the stock vests, it's right around some like quarterly earnings report for the company. And then the the stock price dips and it's, oh, I was looking at the stock and it was $45 a share. But then they just released the quarterly earnings. Now it's down to $35 a share. I want, I want to hold off until it goes back to 45. And so it's like constantly you're just chasing your tail of, wanting to hold on until that ideal price and no one knows if it's going to get to that price. So then, and then it just keeps accumulating. So you, you bring up a good point, the emotional aspect, and we're going to, we're going to get into that, um, into the weeds a little bit, but Steven, you know, for your friends who like to get into the trade game, you know, and they come to you and, or they text you to talk about the bad picks they have, you know, what's that look like? How do you handle that? Again, it's, it's about the overall financial plan with the concentration of how much do you have, how much stock do you own? And to, to Spencer's point about the difference between an ESOP and a publicly traded company is liquidity. So it, it, it comes down to the concentration. How much of a single stock do you have in your portfolio? And, and there's really no true answer as to limits. We will generally say five to 10%, right? You don't want to have more than 5% or five to 10% of your portfolio in any one stock, the greater the percentage of ownership in one individual stock within your portfolio, the greater the risk. And I have, I just, I just started listing companies in my lifetime that I knew about that either disappeared, went bankrupt or failed or dropped significantly. And there are dozens of them. And what people never, the emotion takes over and you're always, as Spencer said, chasing your tail. You've got to avoid the emotion. And that's the hardest thing for an individual to do is because once you own a stock, it becomes emotional and you've got to remove the emotion. So for us as advisors, it's a lot easier because we're looking at it as from purely from a financial plan perspective versus the emotion of it's a great company. Yeah, it is a great company. You shouldn't have too much of it though. So right. what about in the scenario where you are inher- you're inheriting your parents, your, maybe your 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 mom or your dad's company stock? I'm not even sure if that's a possibility, but something that might they might be passionate about, and you've inherited that. Mm-hmm. It's still, and so you're now you're protective over it. You're emotional about it. You're totally emotional. I, I would say keep it in a, in an individual account. Call it mom's account or the mom and dad's account, and keep it within that account and diversify within it. It's still. Your, your their money they've given to you inherited you've inherited from them so that's an emotion too and that's what I've a lot of times have advised people let's keep it in a separate account mm-hmm. we'll earmark it call it mom's mom and dad's account and they can invest it properly but you always try to avoid that single stock risk yeah I think I think you said diversification I think we're going to get into this but my question is like, how do you want to own the stock? Does it have to be you own 
500 shares of whatever the stock is? Or are you comfortable owning a certain dollar amount and just know that it's in a different type of fund where you have the exposure, but it's not all in that stock. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll let you keep running. Yeah, with it. let's let's get to the next one. So we want to understand sort of the single stock risk, and we're going to dive into what that really means. So can you tell people, Spencer, what single stock risk entails, and really why it's important for investors to be aware of the concept in general? Uh, I think we already hit quite a bit as far as just the potential downsides. Obviously, there's potential upsides, but when we're talking about risk, it's you're too heavily exposed. All of a sudden, a bad headline comes out. Uh, you know, it's an energy company and they're deemed responsible for causing a forest fire. And before their financials looked fantastic, negative headlines and the stock price craters, right? That comes out of left field. No one can see it. So if you're holding 50% of your portfolio on that stock, you're going to get hammered, right? The other piece, I'll kind of take a different direction, uh, cost barriers when it comes to stock ownership, right? Like you want to, you're a huge bull on Tesla. I think we've all met someone who's big on that. You can't just go buy a bull. Bull and bear, right? Bull, yes, bullish. yeah, yeah. Bull. That means they're they're yeah. very optimistic. They're looking for a big upside on Let's Tesla. So again, if you want to go buy a thousand, you know, a hundred shares of Tesla, that's going to be pretty expensive to do so. Right? Or Apple stock, you name it. So that's kind of the other piece when you're trying to go buy up a bunch of individual stocks. You probably have to come with a pretty big minimum as far as how much cash you're bringing to the table to buy up all those different stocks. Does it make sense? Because I know we test people's risk tolerance when they first come in on the potential client side of things. And I was just wondering, you know, your risk tolerance, I think I would assume changes as you age and as you your money ebbs and flows and runs through your fingertips. So in this scenario, would people need to have their risk tolerance reevaluated before they kind of even get get into the trade well, game? Well, the risk is if it goes sour, if you are over concentrated in one position, the risk is what happens if that company fails. And the longer you've held that stock and it's done so well for you, the harder it becomes because, well, this company's done so well for me over the years. Why would I get rid of it? And that's where the emotion takes over. But the risk is if you're 40 years old and have all of your portfolio in the company you work for in your, let's say, stock options or uh, something like that, you're okay. The risk is if it goes sour, you're working now maybe a little bit longer, where if you're 70, 80 years old and you have everything in one individual stock, if it goes south, you might have to sell your house, relocate because you don't have the capacity to work more. Right, you're limited on your working years. So the older you get, the the greater the risk for the overall financial plan. The younger you are, the example is my what I experienced was with the stock options I got for a company that I worked for went public. I had it all in that company stock. Even today, I looked at it; it might be worth in today's dollars worth two million dollars if I had diversified. Ooh. I kept it all in the company stock. Company went. It basically went bankrupt. And as Spencer said, there's blackout periods. So stock was at a certain price, blackout period, I couldn't sell, stock went down. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll hold on to it. It'll go up again. It goes up a little bit, blackout period goes down again. It just trickled down to nothing and, and it, it goes rapidly. And it just got so emotional. But I didn't know John Sestina at the time. <laughs> he would have told me, sell it. You did good. Diversify. And and so forth. So I was younger. It's okay. It doesn't yeah, matter. I'm making my point. Right. Yeah, there, I was younger. I was, I'm yeah, able to tend, recover. You tend to be um, riskier. You tend to want to take more chances. And certain personalities, even even as they get older, certain certain people, my husband is a risk taker. He's mm. more than I. I'm very conservative. So um, first step, obviously, as you're saying, is to diversify the 
the right. portfolio. But at the same time, if your personality is such that you're going to worry every, every time you get a statement, mm-hmm. then you really have to kind of pay special attention to 100%. that and, and make sure you're on the same page as your spouse as well. Yeah, I was going to say, and I'll be brief with this, but I, I was going to say, I almost feel like risk tolerance goes out the window when it comes to single stock risk. Okay. I don't really think it does much for you at that point. Usually risk tolerance is how much of stock in general or equities do you own versus fixed income. I think that's where that story is really good. Like I knew someone, I had a family member during the pandemic, I'm not going to name them, but uh, they they bought a company that looked like they were going close to bankruptcy. And he was making a bet that he was going to buy a ton of stock on sale and it'll rebound and it's going to be great. And he told himself he'd be able to handle it, wasn't concerned. And then all of a sudden he reached out to me. He's like, I think they actually may go bankrupt. I think I think the price may go to zero. What, right. What do I do? And I said, I don't know. I didn't tell you to buy the stock. So maybe play it out. And then he sold and then it did rebound. So it was just, he told, he told himself, I'll buy it. It's on sale. It's going to bounce back. And then the second was like, oh my gosh, it may it may go to zero. He freaked out, sold, and then it did bounce back. So he took a bath on it. So mm-hmm. I don't think you can truly, I, I think if I was going to say anyone risk tolerance, it is be prepared for it to go to zero. And mm-hmm. if, if you can take that on, depending on the type of stock, then mm-hmm. best of luck to you. Right. Gotcha. So let's um, let's go to the next question. So we're talking about impact of company specific, specific events. And this is a big one as far as news is concerned. You know, we're, we, we see on social media and we deal with it a lot in our day-to-day business where, you know, a little bit of news triggers emotion right away. And, and frankly, I think by the time it hits the news, you know, trades have already been made, you know, well before the public sees it and, um, and you're kind of just now reacting to it. So mm-hmm. when investors heavily invest in a single company stock, let's say, and they're exposed to its perfect, per, to its performance factors, um, you know, how do we explore companies' performance can be affected? I mean, what are the positive and negative events that can impact that? It comes down to leadership of the company, who's the CEO, CFO, the leadership, their vision, their risk. Uh, they have risk management within the company they have to deal with as well. We saw uh, this past year, bank, bank failures. Mm-hmm. And the, the reason those bank failures happened was greed. The, the leadership got greedy with how they invested that's their not cash. not what the news would say, though. No, right? no. So, but at the end yeah. of the day, that's what the mismanagement was, is they were trying to optimize their their cash and they to get into the details, but they made a bad decision mm-hmm. on how they were going to manage their cash and it burned them uh, because of interest rates. So there's so many variables that can kick in and that's where the proper management uh, of, of that company is so critical. Um, that's the way I see it. It comes down to the leadership and, and execution of their their game plan. Yeah, I think the old school answer was, you know, what's the earnings, you know, quarterly earnings, things like that. I'll say it and I'm I'm agnostic on this, so I'm not gonna expand too much. But I mean, politics is a thing these days. I mean, i I can't tell you how many videos I've seen talking about do you buy Disney on sale? <laughs> I I mean, there's an earnings component to it, right? Bob Iger, the CEO, said he wasn't gonna do as much spending on Disney Plus. And I bet you say Disney to some people and you know. They get a little bit tense. They're not a company of the philosophy. Kind of goes back to leadership, mm-hmm. but that's kind of another way. It's not as what's their vision for how they're going to grow the business and make it better. If you steer in a certain direction, direction politics plays a role these days, and it may hit the company a little bit. And how much? How much of the news when people are getting that news is is it something that should be disregarded or just you know 
you know, as an every Here, person. And here's, this is exactly it. You're asking all these questions. That's exactly why you shouldn't have too much of one individual stock yeah. is questioning, watching the, why am I watching the news worrying about what the price stock mm-hmm. of, right. of Disney is today or what they may do? It's okay, mm-hmm. right? You have, if you have a properly invested portfolio, the single, and you remove that single stock risk, none of it, it matters, but it really doesn't. You don't have to worry about it. You're not going to lose sleep over it. I have, I have a just again. I just spitball a bunch <laughs> of companies here. Let's look at retail. These were all great companies at one point in time. Sears, J.C. Penney's, Woolworth, right? Pretty much gone. Uh, Excuse me, sir. I still shop at J.C. Penney. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Kodak, great company. People who own stock in Kodak, great company, right? Mismanaged, no vision, right? Blockbuster. Right. We all went to Blockbuster. Great company. Enron. We heard that disaster. Right. It's an energy company. Lehman Brothers, a banking company. This is a this is a hundred year old company that just went belly up. If you own stock or had ownership in these companies, they were a great thing. They did good things for you. But you, if you've got that single stock exposure, you lost. Um, that's just some of it. Uh, General Electric. General Electric is America, mm-hmm. right? You look at the 1900s, it was all GE ran the show and it's in its struggle. It's not the same company it once was because of management. And, but if you had somebody who had a lot of stock and GE, well, it pays a nice dividend. It's always been at the same price point, blah, blah, blah. And now it's, it's, you struggled, you lost a lot. So again, these, there's so many examples out there. Did you want to add anything to that? Uh, no, I, th- I think we beat that up pretty nicely. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of, uh, we, we kind of worked through a couple of my other questions, uh, like how events like earning reports, management changes, product launch launches, legal issues can create volatility. But, you know, I kind of want to come back to that theme, you know, so let's just hit this one again because it'll, it'll bring some great context. And that's the, the ripple effect, you know, how does poor performance or drop of a stock drop of the value of stock, have a ripple effect on someone's retirement plan. Um, I just want to kind of remind everybody. So the, the touch is diversify. Make sure you're diversified. Seek the help of a professional. Uh, you know, avoid social media tips and tricks. You know, get the information from really good resources. Um, hiring a certified financial planner is certainly a great start to that. And sure. Yeah, I was going to say one final thing. Sorry. Um, last thing I was going to add to for I, it sounds like we're coming down pretty hard on single stock ownership, and I've I've seen a couple cases where it worked out. The people who it did work out for didn't have a reason for why they bought the stock; they just did, and then they got lucky because they held on to it for several years. But I would I would tell people back in 2021 that were reaching out to me like I bought this stock and it's doing great, and I wasn't trying to take the wind out of their sails, but I kept saying like everything's doing great right now. It, it, in 2021, everything was going up, so I kept telling them like they felt so great, and I was like, well, what's that compared to? the S&P 500 or to, you know, an international index, you name it. And they would look at me like, oh, I guess it's about the same. It's like, okay, upside is the same. Downside risk is disproportionate. So if you're playing that game too, always keep in mind that other things may be going up and you may be taking on more risk than you need to for that. It's a ride. Yeah. Tailwinds, yep. yeah. It's a ride. So this can be really tough terrain to navigate. And uh, whether you have an employee stock or you're inheriting your parents' uh, favorite stocks, it's always helpful to reach out to a professional. That's what we do every day. If you would like to uh, give us a call for a, co- a complimentary consultation, uh, we can sit down with you, one of these uh, CFPs, and kind of go through your baseline to see if you have opportunities to do things better. 
Um, check out our website, managingtobewealthy.com. Click on the pictures, get to know us a little bit. We uh, are a very comprehensive, holistic financial planning firm, fee only. Uh, we do a lot of work to help people achieve peace of mind. Um, we're glad you joined us and we'll hope that you'll stay uh, tuned. We've got some big changes coming uh, here in the future and are excited to bring this to you. So keep following us and check us out. And uh, we appreciate your time today. That's a wrap for today's episode of the Managing to be Wealthy podcast. We help you make the most of your money without any hidden fees or commissions. Remember, the best investment you can make is in yourself and your financial future. Keep listening for more expert advice and tips. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. To schedule a one-hour complimentary consultation to discuss your financial concerns, visit our website, managingtobewealthy.com.